Thank you for listening to the Fisher's Life podcast. We hope this message inspires and uplifts you this week. Enjoy the word from lead pastor, Philip Daigle. chapter number five, I, I want to preach to you a message that I, again, and I, and I feel like this is where we're at right now. We're in, a, we're in a transitional season, and I feel like these messages are going to apply to us individually, but, but if you'll allow them, let it, let it speak to you as an individual, but also let it speak to us as a body of believers that are coming together as a, as a family that are growing together and learning together, um, and, and I just believe that it applies to you individually, but it also applies to the life of this church. John chapter number five, I, I want to preach to you this message. Marco Polo. Everybody say Marco Polo. John chapter five. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is in Aramaic, is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And one who had been there an invalid for 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Another translation, and I love the way they say it, says, do you want to get better? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me to get into the pool when the water is stirred because while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mats, and walk. Everybody say Marco Polo. Jesus, in your name right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would begin to open up our hearts and open up our minds for us to receive what you want us to receive, God, that we believe this with all of our heart, that if we aren't growing, we are dying. And so today we choose growth over death. We choose life over death. And we pray that you would challenge us, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us vision for the future, vision for our lives and vision for this house. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you all today, I, I love swimming. I'm, I'm a fan of swimming. I enjoy uh, swimming. In fact, our neighborhood in Austin, Texas, when we moved in, we moved in about two and a half years ago. We, we had found some different houses, but we, we found a house. And, and I will tell you, we bought the house primarily based on the fact that within our neighborhood, we had a lazy river. In fact, we could walk to the lazy river this neighborhood in Austin uh, wasn't the most desirable, but all of a sudden they put a lazy river in the neighborhood. And, and I'll just tell you, uh, me and my family, we have got our money's worth. We have swam and swam. And you know, here it's, it's a little bit different because it's still 95 degrees. In fact, I got a email uh, yesterday that said, hey, the pool from October 18th on through the rest of the season is closed. I'm like, y'all, it's still 100 outside. What are you closing the pool for? Just because it's October doesn't mean that it's chilly. But I, I've enjoyed swimming. In fact, I'm the guy that when we go on family vacations, all the adults and the normal people, they're sitting beside the pool, you know, ordering their food, ordering their drinks while the kids are swimming. I'm usually the, the fun uncle in, in the pool with the kids. You know, to me, I'm like, hey, if I'm just going to sit by the pool, I might as well do that in my backyard. I don't have to pay to go to Mexico to sit beside the pool. Like, we're going to get here. Let's get in the water. Let's swim. Let's, let's have a good time. And, you know, I don't have a lot of goals in life, I'll tell you. I don't, but, but I just, one of the goals that I've had, and, and it hasn't happened yet, but I'm just praying that one day this will happen, is that one day that we have a house uh, with a swimming pool. And I don't know where this, this desire came, actually I do know where this desire came from, is because I begged my dad my entire life, my dad was a home missions pastor, and every day almost I would ask my dad, dad, can we get a swimming pool in the back Yard. And instead of getting me a pool, he got me a trampoline. And from that point on, I, I've desired a pool. It's never happened. But in Jesus' name, one day, you know, maybe we'll settle for a hot tub. I, I don't know. But, but <laughs> and I'll just tell you, the pool is where I do my swimming. I don't swim in the ocean. This is just has nothing to do with my message. But I, I swim in the pool. I don't swim in the ocean. I'll tell you why. Because it's not my home. Uh, somebody else's house. Um, just imagine if you walked into a neighborhood here around the church and you just saw a house that you liked and you just walked in, opened the door, started rummaging through the fridge, looking at pictures like, 
how weird, if, if someone saw you like you're getting attacked, that's what you're doing in the house of a shark when you go swimming in the ocean. So, but one of the things I love about swimming is, you know, growing up, we, we would go swimming usually, you know, and I felt like if you, if you were really rich, you had a swimming pool. And I remember going to my friend's house that had swimming pools that they weren't rich, but in my mind, you have a swimming pool. You are uberly wealthy. And we would go swim and we'd, we'd play games in the pool. You know, we'd throw things in the bottom of the pool and try to go get them. We'd, we'd, we'd have fun. We'd, we'd do cannonballs. We, we'd do all these different games, but no matter what game that we played, Every swimming session ended in this game that we called Marco. You've played the game. Wow, that's amazing. Marco Polo. And, and it was such a fun game. And this was the game where one person was Marco Polo and they had to swim around the pool with their eyes closed. And if, if they were swimming and they suspected that someone was out of the water, you know, they're trying to grab somebody and then, you know, everybody would kind of get out of the water. But if you were out of the water and the person that was Marco Polo suspected that you were out of the water, here's what they would yell, fish out of water. And, it, and instantly you hear all these splashes, like, I was in the pool, like, you, you said it, but I was in the pool. And they're like, no, you weren't in the pool. I'm like, I had a toe in the pool. And we'd say fish out of water. But as fun as Marco Polo was, I'm so thankful that when I was spiritually dead, that when I was a fish out of water, when I was not where I needed to be, when I was lost, hoping that someone would find me, that Jesus yelled fish out of water. And I'm here today not because of who I am or what I have done, but I'm here today because Jesus went fishing for a fish that was out of water. And here we find in John chapter number five, this guy is sitting beside the pool. In fact, this isn't just a regular pool. This is the pool of Bethesda. And there's this idea that when the water was stirred, that someone could get their healing, that, that someone could get what they needed, that someone could get what they had been hoping for. And here's this guy who's been lying here and he's not in the pool, but he desperately wants to be in the pool. And in his mind, if he could just be a fish in the water and not a fish out of the water, then all of his problems would be solved. This guy whose life has been full of difficulty and full of misery and full of trouble and heartache, he's, he's expecting to be helped by this whole water thing. And, and in John chapter 5, Jesus comes along, the, the one who came to seek and to save that which was lost. Here comes Jesus, the one who came to bring the living water to a dry and thirsty soul, to dry and thirsty land. Here's Jesus, the friend of sinners. Here's Jesus, God himself that came to redeem, to heal, and to deliver, and to to set free. Here comes Jesus to a fish that's out of water, to a man that needs what Jesus is offering. So what is he going to do to reach this guy who thinks that he needs the water of the pool? He's going to go fishing for a fish that's out of water. You know, and during this season, that's what he's called each and every one of us to do here at Life Connections. He's called us to do the exact same thing. Here's what he said. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Ironically, the fish that need to be caught are not in the water, but it's the water that they need. It's a heavenly H2O. And our mission this morning is a mission to go fishing, a, a mission to bring heaven to earth, a, a mission to bring heaven to others, that we would always be on mission, that we would always be on point. Every game that we go to, every job site that we go to, that we're always on mission, praying, Where's the fish that's out of water here today? Who, who's in need of the water of the Holy Spirit looking to see people in need so that they can have the living water? It's not the pool of Bethesda that they need, but it's the water and the power of the Holy Spirit. I've got five quick points, and so if you're taking notes or you want to take notes, I just have five things that, you, that I want you to remember. That, that point number one is simply this, now is the time to get better. Here's a guy who desperately wants to be better. Or, or does he? When Jesus shows up, he asks him this simple question, do you want to be made well? Do you want to get better? 
And at first glance to me, this question seems a little rude. It's kind of like when I'm laying on the couch pretending to not feel good watching the game and my wife asks me this question, are you really sick? I'm like, obviously I'm not faking it. You know, that's a little jacked up, Jesus. It seems a little bit insensitive. You, you see this man who's been sitting here for 38 years, and your first question to him is, do you want to get better? Don't you think it would be obvious? Obviously, he doesn't want to be in this situation. But the truth is, this morning, it's the place where we all have to start whenever there's something unhealthy and dysfunction in our lives. And when there is a lack of growth, it's the place where every single one of us have to start. We have to start with this question, do you want to get better? Because the truth is, not everyone down wants to get up. And not everyone wants to grow and not everyone wants to move forward. Not everyone wants movement. And I promise you that you will never experience what God has for you until you are uncomfortable with the place that you are in. So Jesus shows up into his life and he asks him this question, knowing these two key facts. Look, look at the verse in John chapter number five. He says, do you want to be better after he knew these two facts about this man? So Jesus knows that he's lying there for a reason that is distinct from paralysis. In other words, he can move. But he also knows that he's been in this condition for a while. And so he, he asked this question knowing these two things. And, and this question, it's, it's not a question of ability. It's a question of desire. Can I tell you today, every single person in this room has ability. Every single person in this room has talent. Every single person in this room has gifting, but not every single person in this room has desire. So, so Jesus shows up and he asks this question. It's not can you, it's do you want to? And it seems like in this scenario, it, it seems as though this, this man had grown comfortable with where he was at. Maybe apathy had set in, maybe despair had set in, maybe he had completely just given up on life, maybe he just felt like no matter what he did that there was no chance and there was no hope. It seems to be the case that this man had completely given up. So many times in our lives we tolerate dysfunction so long that we just accept it. We tolerate dysfunction in our family and in our relationships and in our marriage and even in our church and even with church people. We, we tolerate dysfunction so long that we don't even notice it anymore. So many times we have unhealthy things in our life and we just, we do like the man at the pool of Bethesda. It's been this way for 38 years. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish things would change. I wish they would be better, but this is just the way that it is. Can I take a moment here this morning to say that with all of my heart, with everything that's inside of me, and I say this with humility and grace and kindness, but we have to have a spirit on the inside of us that says in spite of the condition that we're in, that we have to keep fighting. We have to make a decision that says we will fight for our families, that we will fight for our friends, that we will fight for our neighbors, but most of all, that we will fight for ourselves. There has to be something in our soul that rises up that says, I will keep going, that says, I won't give up, that says, I won't stop dreaming, that I won't stop hoping, that I won't stop believing that God is for me and God is with me. And if he's for me, then who can stand against me? The Bible says that the race is not to the swiftest. It's not to the person that has it going on. The race is literally to the person that doesn't quit. Like Caleb said in the Old Testament, he said, give me this mountain. You see, we're going to move forward here at Life Connections. We're not going to stay where we are, not just simply because we want to move forward, but because that, that's what God is calling us to do. He's calling us out of our comfort zone. He's calling us out of the place that we're in right now. And it looks so different for each and every one of us, but God does not want us to stay where we are. When faith shows up, just like with Abraham, God calls us to move forward. It's not always a physical place, but it is a mental and a spiritual place where you say, I'm going to grow. I'm not going to stay here. There's something for me to learn. There's something for me to get better at. There's something that God wants me to receive from him. I wonder 
if in your soul during this season that many have stopped fighting. And you've just accepted that the marriage that you have, it may not be the one that you're supposed to have. It may not be going the way that you thought that it would. I wonder if you just accept that this is the way that my marriage is always going to be. I wonder if you've just accepted that this is the dysfunction and this is the habit that you've had for such a long time. And you just accept it because you're tired of fighting. But can I tell you that the easiest way to get comfortable in a place that you were never supposed to be is to simply do life with the wrong people. <laughs> the easiest way to get stuck in a place that you were never supposed to be is to do life with the wrong people. This man in this story is surrounded only by sickness. He chose to live in a spot where people only camped out according to their infirmities. He chose to live in a place where people that had the same issues and had the same problems that they all gathered together. It reminds me a little bit of high school. Everyone that had the same drinking problem, guess what? They all hung out together. Everyone that had the same problem would gravitate to each other because that's what we do in our dysfunction. We see people that have the other dysfunction as us and we say, okay, I, you know what? It makes me feel a little more comfortable because they're messed up and I'm messed up. So maybe we can just be messed up together. And that's what this man does. He hangs out in a place that people are only known by their sickness. Here's my question to you here this morning. How can you ever get well if all you do is hang out with sick people? If all you're surrounded by is blindness, how are you ever going to see? If all you're surrounded by is arrogance, how can you ever get to humility if all you do is hang out with people who gossip and are judgmental and negative and life takers? How are you ever going to be a life giver? You cannot escape those who you do life with. I'm going to run through these points quickly, but point number two is now is the time to accept responsibility. As long as you shift the blame, you will remain the same. That, that is good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Don. That is good. As long as you shift the blame to someone else, you will stay exactly where you are your entire life. Can I tell you, nobody else is responsible for your peace. It's not everyone else's problem that you're unhappy. It's not what everybody else did to you. You are responsible for your own heart. You are responsible for your own peace. And when you give someone control, say, if they had just done this, I wouldn't act like this. You're giving them control of your life. So Jesus shows up and he asks this simple question, do you or do you not want to get better? And, and now I'm not a genius here, but let me just, just allow me. It, this seems like a yes or no question. Do you want to get better? Yes or no? And it's like when I asked my kids, did you eat all of the candy? This is, this is a yes or no question. Did you eat all the candy? But dad, there was the, I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't ask for the explanation. I need to know yes or no, mainly because I wanted the candy. And I want to know if you ate your candy that I wanted to eat. Would you like to be made well? And his response is such a humanity answer. Do you want to get well? And his response says, but I have nobody here to help me. Do you want to be made well? Our response many times is, do you, do you know how unfair my life has been? Jesus shows up in a service on a Sunday morning and he asks you in your heart, do you want to get better? Our response is, do you know how many times I've been passed over at work? Do you want to be made well? You don't know what happened to me as a kid. You don't know what happened to me in my life. And Jesus is asking a yes or no question. And we constantly put the blame on other people. If somebody else would help me, then I wouldn't be in this situation. And we all do this. We play the blame game. But the problem with the blame game is that what you are saying is probably true. But that just prevents God from doing what he wants to do inside of you. He's not here to ask you who's at fault. He's here asking a question, do you want to get better? And while you're busy blaming people, here's what you're not doing. You're not moving forward. 
You see, we do this as individuals, but we also do this as a church. Oh, if we just had the right people, if we just had the right givers, if we just got this right, then, then, then things could get better, then we would begin to grow. Can I tell you, Jesus is showing up here this morning, asking us as individuals, but also asking us as a church, I don't care what's at fault, I want to ask you a question, do you want to get better? Moving forward into growth, Jesus calls us to, he, he wants to move us forward into maturity, into a better relationship with him. And let me just take a moment here this morning to be sensitive. I, I, I've talked about this before, but I lost my dad at a season of my life when I needed him the most. And maybe you're here today and you didn't even have a dad. And maybe something happened to you that was so awful that you never talk about it. And maybe your social economic background isn't the best. And maybe this happened and maybe that happened. I'm not here to say that those things didn't happen. We cannot pretend that life doesn't happen and say get over it, but we have to acknowledge it and we cannot stay in our mess. As long as you keep assigning your current behavior to what has happened to you, you are allowing it to rob your future. And that's the problem with excuses and justification. I'm this way because of that. And if they hadn't done this, then I wouldn't have done that. And I'm the way that I am because they did this to me. And I wouldn't be so angry and I wouldn't be so unkind and I wouldn't be so bitter. And you would be too if this happened to you. Can I tell you this morning, quit letting your progress be in the hands of other people. Nobody else is responsible for your heart. Nobody else is responsible for your peace. Nobody else is responsible for the movement forward in this church. At some point we have to say we cannot be the victim and the victor at the same time. We cannot be a warrior and hold on to our wounds. We cannot do both. Or we can keep blaming people and 38 years later we'll be in the exact same place that we are here today. Point number three is now is the time to do the impossible. So, so this man was given an unbelievably impossible task. <laughs> Jesus, here's his response. Like, do you want to get better? He's like, no one's here to help me. I, I have friends. I can't do nothing. <laughs> Jesus says, cool. Great. Great answer. Get up. And, and now put your place, put, you know, put yourself in the place of this man at the pool. I, I mean, if I'm laying there and Jesus says that to me, I, I'm a little annoyed. I'm a little angry. I'm like, if it was that simple, don't you think I would have already done it? Like, if, if it was that easy, don't you think I would have already got up? See, when Jesus shows up in our lives, he, he just always has a knack for asking us to do something that we cannot do on our own. He, he has a knack for asking us to do the impossible and it can seem overwhelming and it can seem daunting, but when Jesus calls you, he's going to give you the strength to do what he has called you to do. I'm fired up to tell you here this morning that his command is always his enabling. Ephesians chapter four, verse seven says, to each one grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. In other words, God will never call you to do something without giving you the grace and the strength and the wisdom to power the gift. He always gives us the strength. He always gives us the wisdom. He always gives us the grace. He always gives us the power. And that's why he sent the Holy Spirit so that he could fulfill the great commission. He said that it's better that I go away so that I can give you something better. What could be better than Jesus is that he sends his spirit to help you do the impossible. That's why he said, Terry, until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit and like the dove that came down from heaven, like the fire that fell on the day of Pentecost. He gives us the power. He gives us the strength. He gives us the wisdom. Matthew chapter 28, he tells his disciples, he commissions them. He gives them a mission. And in Acts chapter two, he says, I gave you the calling. Now I'm gonna give you the power. Can I tell you, Jesus calls you to do things and you don't have the power yet, but as you start to follow, as you start to follow that calling, he always gives you the power. He always gives you the strength because what he's asking you to do is impossible. <laughs> if you felt like it was impossible, you're correct. You can't do it on your own. 
But that's why he calls you to do something and then he gives you the Holy Spirit to fulfill the great commission and to fulfill the mission that is on your life. So to this man, he simply says, get up. Like he doesn't, he doesn't quantify it. He doesn't qualify it. He just simply says, get up. Enough, enough lying there. And enough lying where you're comfortable, enough shifting the blame on others. It is time for you to rise up. It is time for you to get up. It is time for you to move up. It is time to live out a different story. And as he began to get up, his atrophied body, who had been laying there for 38 years, that body starts to come back to life. Can I tell you anything in your life that you're being called to do by God can seem impossible. But I promise as you take the next step, as you step out in faith, as we step out in faith as the church God is going to provide God is going to give us the strength it's going to seem impossible we're not going to know how don't quantify it don't qualify it just step out and obey and all of a sudden you'll be like where did that strength come from where did that money come from where did that person come from because you stepped out and you answered the call and as you begin to step up that atrophied body that hadn't been dead for years all of a sudden God breathes life into it that's what happens when we answer the call of God can I tell you here this morning I'm dreaming for big things for this house and for this church and it's more than just a house with a pool I'm dreaming for some things that the only way that it's going to happen is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's what I say here this morning. Let's dream big, dream so big that we know that we cannot do it on our own. And I just believe with all of my heart that there's some people that are in this room that you've got some impossible dreams. You've got some impossible hopes. You've got an impossible task, but take a step in faith and see what happens. The Bible says that, that the word of God, it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I won't tell this whole story, but one time I went hiking at Big Bend National Park and I, I did a 12-hour hike with my wife's cousin, Logan Keller, amazing guy. And one day, hopefully he gets to come up here, but we, he, he's had a very structured, incredible life. I have lived a maybe not so structured life. And this poor guy, he's... He's younger than me. I'm like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Let's just do it. Let's go. Let's, just, yeah, let's go. He's like, we should plan things out. Like, honestly, we, we, we went to go, get camp, go camping. And I've, never been, I've never been a big camper. And it was like we were camping at the Marriott. Like, he was rolling out these amazing cots and all this. Everything was structured. I'm like, let's just throw it on the ground and go to sleep. You know, and we'll go for a hike tomorrow. We go for this 12-hour hike. And. Somehow, I don't know how, but we were chatting and talking and we, we turned the corner up on this 8,000 foot mountain in the middle of Texas in Big Bend. It's amazing and what, this is beautiful. We turned the corner and, and we are uh, maybe 30 minutes from the sun going down and we're, as we turn the corner, we're supposed to be back where we started. We weren't. We were still at the top of the mountain. And, you know, honestly, I just probably been playing on Instagram and Snapchat all day and, and I, my, my phone died and I had my phone was dead and he had 20 percent. And we're like, what are we going to do? There's bear and mountain lion sign all over the place. We're walking down the mountain in the middle of the night. I'm like, look, OK, I heard this one time on a pro tip on Instagram that if you are stuck in the mountains, that you talk really loud and you let the bears know you're coming. So the whole time we talked out so loud walking down the mountain just just to keep away from the bears and. We had 20% on his phone, and he turned the light on his phone. That's the only light that we had. We're walking down the mountain, talking really loudly. If anyone had heard us or seen it, it would have been straight out of a movie, but we couldn't see very far. We could only see the next step, but we had to take one step so we could get to the next step. We, we didn't get to see the end of the path. We didn't get to see the end of the road. We only had the light for the path that was the next step. That's what the word of God does. It doesn't show us the whole picture. It shows us one step. And if you don't take that step, you'll never see the next step. And a lot of times we're so focused on the end game. Where are we going? Can I tell you what God is calling us to do is to take one step. 
Because when you take one step, you'll see the next step. And you may not know the end game. And you may not know how it's going to turn out. I don't know where this church is going to be in five years. But can I tell you today, I want to take a step. I want to move forward. Because when I take one step, then I'm going to see the next step. And when I take another step in life, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It doesn't require faith if he shows us everything. If the whole path is lighted, no, he says, I'm going to give you 20% battery on your phone, and I'm going to give you a little bit of light, and, and it's going to be just enough. And as you begin to talk about the goodness of God, talk a little bit louder about who he is, all of a sudden you'll get to where you were going, and you don't even know how you got there, which is how we made it home from Big Bend National Park. Amen. Come on, somebody wasn't eaten by a mountain lion. Take a step and see what happens. The Bible said he is a lamp to our feet. His word is a light to our path. Point number four is now is the time for freedom. So what you do with your miracle, what you do with your liberty can actually lead you back to captivity. You see, God sets us free of salvation and he always moves us towards freedom. Sin and religion, it's always the exact opposite. It moves us towards bondage. But Jesus always brings us from grace to grace. He, he always brings us from strength to strength. And, but Jesus, in, in John chapter 5, and, and it's later on in the story, later on in the scripture, the Bible tells us that he, he sees him in the temple and he sees this man who's received this miracle. He says, oh, by the way, like you're walking now, that's great. Um, you've been made well. He says, he says, go and sin no more, lest a worst thing come on you. I mean, and I don't know what he did. But I'll tell you this, I've been raised in church long enough that I would like to know just so I can know how to pray for him. I just need to know maybe what happened just so I just want to say a prayer for him. But the Bible doesn't tell us what he did. Jesus just said to him, hey, you're doing good. Things are well. Don't go back. Don't go back. Don't, and stop sinning. And maybe we don't even know the story. Maybe he had received the miracle and he was already walk in, walking into the habit that had got him into that place in, in the first place. And Jesus said, by the way, don't, don't do that. Because you got your miracle, you got your freedom. Don't go back to the thing that puts you in bondage. Don't go back to the thing that got you into the, this mess the first time. The most awkward thing in life is to say goodbye to someone and then start walking in the same direction. <laughs> Usually with a stranger, I had a great conversation. You know, we're chatting, talking, and all right, I've got to go. I've got to go. And Yeah, me too, me too. All right, later. And then we both walk to the same elevator like, oh, what are we talking about now? This is so, so weird. <laughs> so many of us get mercy and so many of us get grace and then we go get on the same elevator with that same problem. We get some grace, but we find ourselves on the elevator with the same mess and the same brokenness and the same pain. Here's why, because your breakthrough never got a follow through. You experienced something powerful, but you didn't follow through with it. You see, we just stopped so many times at the miracle, but the miracle is not the stopping point. It is the starting point. God has given me and my wife three incredible miracles, three amazing boys, and I'm so thankful for them. They are our miracles when we held them. Like you know when you're holding that baby, it is a miracle from God. I'm so thankful for all the babies that we have in the house. I think I met more babies than members, man. There's got so many here right now. But how many know when you hold that miracle in your hands, the work didn't stop. The work got started. Can't tell you how many nights, <laughs> crying, throwing up on us <laughs> in the middle of the night. And we thought we got our miracle, and we did. But when the miracle shows up, that means the work is getting started. When God does something in your life, that's not the moment to say, okay, we're here. We've arrived. Everything is okay. No, that's the moment to say, all right, it's time to dig in. Now God has done something for me. It's time to grow. It's time to work. It's time to lean into what God has in store for us. Some of you, 
that are new to God and to his house. I'm here to tell you to take care of the miracle, protect the miracle. You have to put the miracle in the right environment. And this is going to be just a shameless plug right now because I tell you, this is coming in the new year, but we're going to roll out something that we actually call freedom. And I can't wait for each and every one of you to experience it. My heart for you is whether you've been in church one day or a hundred years, that you would go through freedom. Because here's what freedom is, if you'll let me. I'm just going to literally read what it is to you so there's no question about what it is. Okay, freedom is a 13-week small group semester where groups gather to discuss this freedom curriculum, which is designed to equip you to live the victorious and abundant life that Christ died to give to you. Freedom groups build on the foundation of your faith in Christ that you already have and help you embrace the truth of God's word as it relates to your worldview, your past, your sin, your personal value to God and your purpose in his kingdom. Freedom will help you remove every obstacle, whether it's a habit, whether it's trauma, whether it's a pain, whether it's brokenness, freedom helps you give you the follow through that you had to the breakthrough. Don't let your breakthrough not get a follow through. I said this last Sunday, but let God change your heart, but you have to renew your mind. And freedom is such a beautiful way to do that. And it's a 13-week curriculum, but I tell you the first 12 weeks are us sitting in a life group sitting in a small group, growing and learning together. But then that 13th week, we have something that we call a freedom conference. And I cannot wait for you to experience what God does on a freedom weekend. And it is going to bring freedom to so many people. And if you are saying here, I don't need freedom, you are the person that needs freedom. <laughs> and the reason why me and my wife are so passionate about this is because we had been raised in church our entire lives. We had been in Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, unbelievable services. And yet we, we weren't always following through with the breakthrough. You see, we come down to the front for the breakthrough and have an incredible altar call and God would move. And yet we struggled with the same, same thing. We struggle with the same habit, but when we went to freedom, God began to tear down some things that were in our lives, some strongholds that we did not even know were there. When you go through freedom, here's why I love for people to go through it. They're like, I didn't even know that was my problem. <laughs> but God starts to do things through freedom because we nourished our miracle. It wasn't just the gift of the Holy Spirit that we were so thankful for, but then all of a sudden we nourished it, we took care of it. We followed through with what God had for us. And I close with this. Now is the time to tell your story. So what you're cured from, you get to carry. Jesus says, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now let me just tell you, the first and the third command make sense. Rise and walk. I understand that. I, I don't understand the second. Why would you take up the thing that represents the past that you left? That bed is nasty. He has been laying on this bed for 38 years. And I'll tell you, I know that it's nasty. Because my wife makes us change our sheets like every three days. But I remember being a bachelor, I didn't wash my sheets, I just bought new ones. Like, that's just what you do. Oh, I know there's a lot of judgment in the room right now. It's been like two weeks since you've changed your sheets. My wife changed our sheets like three times a week. And then, but it's not just the changing of the sheets. It's the hundred pillows that are on the bed. Like I, it, it takes me 20 minutes just to get in the bed. <clears throat> I'll just tell you, my wife usually tells me before every sermon, I cannot make fun of her, but she didn't say it this morning. So guess what? <laughs> I have permission. <laughs> Why does he have to bring his bed with him? I just believe that Jesus asked him to bring his bed with him because now as he walks, he has a story to tell. Why are you, why are you carrying a bed? 
Well, well, here, here's the thing. I, I, for 38 years, I was sick. I laid beside a pool. I thought I needed the water. I was a fish out of water, but Jesus brought the water to me. I was stuck, but Jesus came into my life. Well, who's this Jesus guy? Well, he, he's this man. I can't explain him, but he's, he's God. He's God in the flesh, and I don't understand much about him. But, but, oh, that's why you're carrying your bed. You see, everyone has a story to tell. Every single person that's in this room, we could stop the service right now and parade every single person up on this stage and you begin to tell your story and we would sit in the audience and say, how did you get to this place? How did you make it through that trauma? How did you make it through that pain? How did you make it through that divorce? How did you make it through that trial? You ever hear somebody tell a story and, and they're so unimpressed with themselves and you're sitting there thinking, how did you do that? It's unbelievable. That is, you lifted up that car by yourself. Oh, it's no big deal. You know, it's just, I just lifted it up. And what? That was amazing. And that's many of us, our story. We think that people don't want to hear our story, that it's uninteresting. But here's, it's not about the story itself. It's about Jesus in the story that you're here today, not because of who you are. I think so many times we think people don't want to hear our story. They won't, don't want to hear our mess, but that's what happens when you begin to tell your story. It brings hope to someone else. Oh, you think your marriage is messed up? You haven't seen us argue yet? That's not like for us in particular. That was like me in third person talking. Like you, you, you think your marriage is is on the rocks. It, it looks perfect, but you know, at some point we went through a struggle. We went through a battle. And if we can get through it, guess what? You can get through it too. Oh, you think your finances look bad and things are a struggle right now. Can I tell you there was a day when I couldn't pay my bills and I could, but then God stepped in and, and because he showed up, he changed everything. Before Jesus, I was stuck. Before Jesus, I was lost. I didn't know my way, but now I have a story to tell. You need to know him. Let's all stand. I'm coming to a close. And I want you to hear this this morning, but you need to know that what may be painful today may be your ministry assignment tomorrow. What may be painful today may be your ministry assignment Tomorrow, Jesus doesn't have your cure. He is your cure. And your story might not be the same as somebody else's, but somebody needs to hear your story. And we know that God does all things well. And I just encourage you here this morning to whatever you've been through, to hold up what you've been through to hold it in your hand say this mat represents 38 years of me having the same habit and the same problem and the same mess and the same pain and even this thing that happened to me as a child I hold it up in my hands and it's a representation not just of where I've been but it's a representation that when Jesus shows up he can heal any heart he can deliver any sin he can bring hope to any situation he does all things well That's the story of our God. See, when he shows up, he changes the narrative. And I tell you here today, I'm so thankful for every single thing that has happened at Life Connections. I'm so thankful. Even the tough times, I'm thankful for them because even in the tough times, maybe that's our ministry assignment later. Maybe even the things that we don't like about ourselves and about our friends and about our family. Maybe that thing is actually just a talking point to talk about the miracle and the strength and the power of Jesus. You see, it's not in who we are. Even your problems are a platform to share the goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anybody want to get better? Anybody want the miracle? He'll provide the miracle, but the work is our responsibility. Watch him begin to work. 
Watch him begin to provide the resources. Watch him begin to provide the people. Watch him as we step out in faith. Oh my goodness, where did that help come from? I, I didn't even know that was, how did that, why were they attracted to our church? Why were they attracted to the house? How did that happen? We look back, it's only because we stepped out in faith and Jesus calls us to do the impossible and he, he doesn't care about the excuses. He doesn't care about the reasons why all he cares about is saying, get up, rise, take up your mat, take your problems with you. Why? Because somebody needs to hear about the problems that you've been through to know that they can get up and walk too. Oh, come on, let's put our hands together right now and say thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Man, I don't know about you, but there was a time in my life where I was a fish out of water. I thought the water is what I needed. I thought that habit is what I needed. I thought that problem was where my comfort was at. I was a fish out of water. I thought I needed the water, but Jesus showed up and I didn't, didn't need the water or the pool of Bethesda. I needed the power of the Holy Spirit. The thing that I thought that I needed, Jesus showed up and says, you don't need the pool. I've got something better. I've got something that'll change your life forever. That's what we offer here at Life Connections, not in who we are. It's not the pool itself. It's not the building itself. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that when we come together as a body of believers and lift our hands and our hearts towards heaven, the power of the Holy Spirit starts to move. The water starts to churn and someone receives the power that they never knew that they needed. People that walk into this room that think there's no hope for their family, that there's no hope for their marriage, that there's no hope for their friends. They walk into this room and they thought they needed this, but what they needed was to be in an environment where the Holy Spirit can touch their heart and heal their heart and do something that they never thought was possible. See, it's not, and I'm gonna say this over and over, it's not just about saving, it's about giving purpose. If you're saved here today, I say, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful that God saved you. It doesn't stop there. The miracle of salvation is only the starting point. We have to walk in purpose. If you feel unfulfilled in your life, it's for one reason. You're not walking in purpose. When we walk in the purpose that God has for us, there's nothing like laying your head down at night, whether it's serving on the parking lot team or serving on the production team or serving on any team here in this house. Here's what happens. You lay your head down at night knowing I have done my part, I've played my role, I'm doing what God has called me to do. I'm living in purpose and I was beside a pool, but now I'm taking my mat with me to tell the story of God's grace and His mercy and His power and His love. Oh, come on, let's put our hands together this morning and say thank you, Jesus, that you're doing what only you can do, that you call us to do the impossible, but you always give us the grace to power the gift. You always give us the wisdom. You always give us the strength. And what feels impossible, he's calling us to grow. He's calling us to reach. He's calling us to love. It feels impossible so many times, but what he calls us to, he gives us the strength to do. His command is always his enabling. He's not gonna call you to do something that he doesn't give you the grace, the power, the gift. Can I tell you this? This is just my own personal story, but every step of the way, we haven't seen the way forward. And we take one step and God has opened another door. We haven't seen the way forward, but God has opened another door. And then we're like, how did we get here? I don't know, we started like six months ago. This is a crazy journey. Like, all right, let's take a step of faith. And Jesus begins to open the door. He gives us the grace. Somebody asked me here this morning, they're like, are you tired? And I'm like, yes, but I'm not because there's a supernatural energy that God has used to just give into my life and speak into my spirit. As I'm flying up here, I was tired getting on the plane but by the time I land I feel the anointing and the power and the strength of God why not because of who I am but he called me to do something and now he's given me the grace he's given me the strength he's given me the power whatever he's calling you to do here this morning walk in the goodness of God knowing that he's given it to you but we'll never know we'll never know what's on the other side of the first step and it's uncomfortable. Man, that man is laying there 38 years. Jesus says, get up. Is that easy? Just take a step. My God, there's strength in my legs. All right, take another step. My God, there's, there's strength. 
But all right, take, take another step. Oh, I feel strength in my body. I feel strength in my mind. Can I tell you, the strength is not in the rest. The strength is in the work. Can I tell you as a church and as a body of believers, God blesses the work. He gives us rest, but he blesses the work and the rest that come from, comes from him, it's only there to power and to strengthen the work because either this all matters or none of it matters. And I just believe that it all matters that Jesus came, he died, he was buried and he rose again and he's coming back again one day. So if that's the case, and if that's the truth, I'm gonna live like he's coming back again. And what I wanna hear him say when he comes back, and this isn't for a pastor, I tell you a pastor's great, there's fivefold ministry, we're all believers. I'm thankful for the fivefold ministry. I'm thankful for everything in ministry. I'm a believer like you and Jesus is coming back for me. And he's not saying, now all the pastors, would you rise? You're, you're the first to board on the plane, boarding group one. Go ahead, and get, if you're a pastor, go ahead. No, those that are alive and remain in Jesus. We're all in this together. And one day I wanna to get to heaven and I wanna hear the words, thou good and faithful servant. The work that we do here, it's not about us, but we get blessed from doing the work. You know, so many times we do something, we give to receive. We give to get affirmation. We do to receive. Can I tell you, that's not what God's about. God, God says, hey, go ahead and give because you've already received. Go ahead and give because of what God has already done in your God has done something in your life. So you don't have to give to receive anything from God. We don't give to get a blessing. We give because we have already been blessed. So because we've received the gift of salvation through the miracle of the Holy Spirit, can we now serve? Can we now give? Can we now love? Not to receive something, but to give what he has already given. He's given us the strength. He's given us the power. He he has given us the love. Jesus, in your name right now, God, I thank you that each and every one of us at some point in Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's word, subscribe to hear the latest message.